Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. I have here Amir Ryder from CloudTask, the CEO. Now, I like to call this guy the CEO who calls because it's not every day that I meet a CEO who makes cold calls. <laughs> the CEO that sells, Justin. That's right. Yeah, I've known Amir for a while, a few years now, and I keep running him into him in uh, San Francisco more than I'm in San Francisco, which is impressive because he's based in Miami and in, uh, in Medellin, Colombia. <laughs> Now I'm based on Miami. I was in San Francisco during the uh, Columbia year. So I definitely saw you quite often in San Fran. Ah, I had that backwards. Okay, awesome. Well, the show's called Beyond Sales Development, and it's really just a discussion of the future of where outbound sales is going. Can you tell me about some of your thoughts on tech stacks, people, visions you've had of how we can be better as an outbound ecosystem? Well, yeah, like this is a topic that we can chat for a long time, so I'm not going to get into crazy details. I think this is something we talk about always, but I think the end game is going to be done for you sales, similar to how Uber, you know, you want to ride and you can put your destination and your price comes up and you get there and you get out of your car and your credit card is charged. The path of getting there is not going to be uh, as so smooth, right? But when it comes down to technology stacks right now, there's definitely some things that come to mind with the explosion of technology and, and sales tech is it's definitely a low adoption curve, right? I think there are very few companies that utilize their tech stacks fully. And I, I, I'm not a numbers guy, but I would, I would think that for every dollar spent on a sales and marketing tech license, maybe only 5% is actually used. And, you know, I, I say that in, the light uh, coming from somebody who spends a lot of money on sales tech and I am addicted to it. I struggle to use it a lot and, and get full utilization. So I can't imagine how the normal public, you know, feels about it. And, you know, I definitely think that a lot of best, a lot of bad practices have come from the explosion of sales and marketing tech, because if you look at how a lot of these sales and marketing companies came to, to be, you know, they, they started off with a pitch deck, a financial model, and they raised a lot of money from VC. And that VC said, go grab some market share, right? We have to make our LPs happy. We need to go public. You need, you need, I need one unicorn out of every hundred, right? So what happens was that nobody invested in customer success in relationships with consultants. And it's kind of really damaged, uh, I would think, the game, right? I think that a lot of people don't talk about it, but a lot of sales and marketing tech centers around emailing, right? And people have been emailing each other at higher velocity and spam filters have been going crazy. Um, sender scores have been going down and it's like something just nobody talks about, but there's probably, you know, 
few hundred million, a few hundred, I don't know the number spent on sales tech where people are just going right to the spam box and they don't even know about it. So I think the way these companies have grown has been all about land and expand and not really about, let me go reach out to, you know, every sales and marketing consultant, make sure that these companies have somebody doing it right. So it's almost like selling, like you would never sell like a medical laser and just be like, Hey, go, you know, take off your tattoo yourself, right? There's always a, a clinical person, <laughs> right? But it's been missed in, in sales and marketing tech. And, and between you and I, I think we're going to see the consequences of that over the next five years with a lot more SDR turnover, a lot of churn in sales and marketing tech, just because, not because it's not good, just because people aren't going to be able to get the ROI on it or feel like they have an ROI. And I think the future will be done for you because I think that the way Americans work is, they want things done for you, right? You want to get a nice house in Aspen, Colorado. You want everything done for you, right? You want a person waiting for you with the key to show you around and you want to clean, right? You might hire a chef to come by and cook for you. That's just the way Americans are. And I think that that's the future in, in my opinion. I hope I just didn't jump around too much on, the, on the, your first question. No, but it's that's- good. I, I think of a couple of things. Like I was talking to Lars Nielsen and he blew my mind because he said like, high growth companies are spending $1,000 per rep per month. If you really bake it all in with a telephony and all the systems that support a sales representative. So I think that sub-specialization and converged systems are the next wave. I've been looking at tech stacks now where it's like, it's a dialer and it's a data and it's you know data in terms of dials and phone numbers. And then you've also got conversational intelligence. You look at like something like Ring DNA, for example. Some companies are saying, let's just up the budget per rep and go for it. Best to breed the whole way. Other companies are saying, hey, the CFO is looking at these costs now relative to the hire. You're really smart on the technologist end and you beta test a lot of really cool tech <laughs> like Ample Market or Skylead. Can you talk to me about some of the coolest tech you've seen? And do you think it's, it's both? Is it going to go converged and specialized tech? Or are we going to finally start to see this minority report thing where you know, the one tech to rule them all. <laughs> I think there's always going to be that that move to do like an all-in-one and then best of breeds will keep coming out and pushing the concept and, and, and everyone's going to be like, hey, why am I going to use this all-in-one when I got, you know, one platform that does this or that better? So that always happens. If you look at like ERPs, like NetSuite, the concept of like all-in-one kind of broke down in a sense because of, of the ability for brilliant people across the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you know, if you're, if you're Belarus or San Fran, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. And these guys are just making great tech. So I, I, I think that there'll always be a drive towards all in one, but I, I think it'll always be a battle like in, in a kind of a curve where it's bouncing towards all in one and the best of breeds as things change. Cool technologies that I like are, you know, I, I think it's a combination, right? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily tech. I think it's more of like, you know, if you're using a, a dialing service like Connect and Sell or Connect Leader or a dialing tech like Aurum, but you combine that with an actual service that does human verified leads or a really good lead source, now, boom, all of a sudden you can have five conversations an hour versus two connect rate, right? Like I've been able to get 300 dials an hour. I've had, I've had hours where, you know, I'm trying to get these dials out, but then I talk to somebody and I'm having like a 40 minute conversation. So I have like literally three minutes of dialing time and it dials like 15 numbers. I have three connects and then I'm talking for an hour. Right. And it's not the tools that's allowing me to do that. It's actually 
the concept of targeting the right people, right? Verifying those leads, which is a manual process, and then using any of the tools will work, right? But people think just buying a tool will work. So I think, you know, I just mentioned those three because I think that if you use either of those three and you take the time to human verify the data, right? I think you'll get magic on that. And then from that point, you know, you have technologies like sales message, you know, simple texting, you know, quite a few that can text message and you couple texting with it in a very polite, professional way. You can get some great results. And, you know, it, it's, it's for me, emailing, not really, a f- it's not I'm not a fan of emailing because I'll do both, right? I think I'll, I'll be the one that's all about personalization, sending a video, and then I do know the power of numbers. But there's people need to kind of, you know, I would say align the goal correctly, right? Like if you're going to request podcasts, maybe you can do like a sequence out. But if you're really trying to make qualified meetings, like it's probably not the best way to send just these cold sequences. So yeah, I think that phone technology for me and services are exciting. And then LinkedIn services, right? I think automation's illegal. I wouldn't advise to it. But if you were to get into that realm, I'd find something that acts like a human and write like a human and interact like a human because those those rules that LinkedIn put in place, they're put in place to protect the network from spam, right? And from annoying messages. So it's, you know, for me, uh, if you're going to write really good messages and they're very polite and, and you're using a tool, I don't see that as a violation because if you look at why those rules are in place, but obviously those rules have to be in place because people don't think like that, right? But if you're going to send a connection request to a sales leader and be like, hey, I'm a sales leader, you're a sales leader, I put some great content out there, let me know what you think. Like That's pretty polite on a network, right? If you're going to message a sales leader and be like, hey, John, I have the greatest sales tech in the world, can I have 15 minutes for your time, here's a calendar, Like that is BS and that drives down the quality of a network. Why does it all sound like that? I mean, what, what trips me out is there is like an avalanche of content about ways to do personalized and hyper-personalized. And then I'll open my LinkedIn. It's just like, hi, Justin, comma. And then boom, boom, boom. I get these automations or I get these emails where it's so vague. It's like, well, you work in sales and we know some of the same people. And it's just like, is it a template? Why can't folks just try a little harder, right? And maybe it's an over-reliance on spray and pray. I, it, it mystifies me. <laughs> Justin, firstly, thank God that that's what 99% of people do because I, I wouldn't have a career and a, and a job and sales teams, right? And secondly, it's just the way that people are hired and measured. It all starts with the pressure to get results quickly and the pressure to get ROI, right? And that no matter what you say is going to make an SDR spray and pray because they're not being incentivized to be on the three-year plan. They're incentivized that you're on the 90-day watch list, right? Or the six-month, you either make it, you're out. The ninth month, you might make it, make it. So it's the way we hire. It's the way we incentivize people. And it's it's the way that we can't, like if you had an SDR who wasn't performing really well, right? But you saw his messages and they were high quality and they were well said and they were representing the brand the right way, the right person at the right time. You'd like that better than getting 15 BS meetings that don't, don't lead to anything and a low center score and a bad rep. But leaders don't have that visibility. They can barely have time to coach, right? So what does a rep do? They blast because they're given the tools to blast, right? Which between you and I, I don't think a single um, sequencing license should be allowed to be handled by an SDR. I think if you're hiring a human, 
They should only be allowed to send personalized emails, voice notes, videos, phone calls, because better to be controlled for marketing. But yeah, I think it's a combination of that. I think, I think there's how people hire, how they're incentivized and, and, and what they have. But you don't have visibility into the quality, right? If there was a tool that's a, you know, quality score and personalization score, and your job was to keep that on green all day long. It didn't matter the meetings you had. You get a lot of better sales practices. So I always ask this question because there's the premise of an article that I did write, which was a world where SDRs or XDRs go away. And I realized it was actually just so far out there because we don't have hoverboards or flying cars, delivery drones, maybe a self-driving Uber or like Google Maps is there, but there's still a human in it. So how far can this go beyond in our lifetimes in the next 10 years? I've talked to some CEOs and they said, well, AI and ML can be applied to different problems that are fun to solve. Like actually replacing the human isn't as fun as making that human like, you know, 10 X or a hundred X more efficient on some of these really time consuming pieces targeting. It, it really comes down to, do you believe that the top funnel could ever be fully automated? Well, I think that, we failed to take a look that monopolies like Google and uh, Microsoft and Apple have really consumed all the digital marketing spend, right? And they're kind of, in a way, automating that idea that a banner is okay and a phone call is not, right? But I think putting a banner in front of someone's eyes is the same thing as an outbound call. It just became acceptable. So that's kind of become automated in the sense where like, you're going to your digital ads, your, your, what your, your Facebook, LinkedIn, Bing, Google, right. And then every other organization is doing an arbitrage of buying other people's traffic, right. Like on CNN and you put a banner on it. I think that's becoming a monopoly in an automated world. Will top of the funnel be automated? I, I think so. Just a lot. It'd be much more in line and connected with the digital ad companies. Between you and I, I feel like they should be taking over those channels. I, I don't want them to take over my job, but that's an opportunity for them because inbound and outbound are the same thing. I'm like, it's all about getting the right person's attention at the right timing. I think it'll be very interesting because it's kind of like that game of like bigger missile and then like anti-missile and then bigger missile that takes away the, you know, like we've seen that in like war, right? Like where there's uh, anti-aircraft batteries and we take them out and then they build ones that, you know, can't get taken out and, it's the same thing. Um, it'll be automated like crazy and then you'll block the automation and there'll be things like get away around the automation. There was a cool show on Netflix called Altered Carbon. And there's a scene where the guy's, you know, he's been frozen for 250 years and he comes out of ice and he's like walking around uh, San Francisco and he's getting bombarded ads in his brain, right? And then a cop comes by, a cop lady who's trying to follow him and puts like a blocker on his neck and all of a sudden the ads go away, Right. So if you look at altered carbon and you look at that scene, I hate saying it, but that's the future. And that's going to happen with sales automation. Like we're going to find ways to block it. And then we're going to find ways to get around the blocking and then block it. It's going to be a cat and mouse game. No different than, you know, the way we build our, our defense systems. I love that you weave, you were able to weave in altered carbon because I'm much like this huge sci-fi fan. So my first, so what I had so much fun doing in the book is like, just like something's normal and then suddenly Blade Runner and then it's normal again. Because yeah, it's like you're picking up a phone and calling, but sometimes you like press a button like on Connect and Cell, it's kind of eerie. Like it's weird. Like suddenly thousands of numbers are dialing, and then you know you you're just hot switched in. It's it's bizarre. It has it, it's reminiscent or future telling of what the future could feel like, where instead of working on all the tech and admin and how all the UI UX works, you just sit and then talk to people. 
Because the 45 minutes you spend on the phone actually developing the business, like that's the super supercomputer, in my opinion. But it's becoming so hard to cut through that if you can get meetings for people right now, uh, you know, like, do you believe opening is the new closing? And I think you say- 100%. Yeah. That's why I'm an OCR for my company. <laughs> so, okay. I, wanna, I don't even bother. I want to highlight this to I listeners. Get, I, like, I get on calls and people <laughs> ask me details and I have no idea how to answer them. I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I'm yeah. too busy opening up opportunities. Like, if you want to know the answer to that, you'll talk to my team. A hundred percent. Because people do the research and they're- before they talk to an account executive, they already know that like you're in my top five, right? Or like, you know, it's, 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 people have been saying that for a while, but it's so true. It's the truth. Like, I don't, like if I'm on a meeting, like you don't need to be a good salesperson. You just need to be polite, respectful, you know, follow up really well. Like you don't need any super talent. You're not going to sell me. Like I'm going to buy the product or service, you know? Yeah. So you- but the SDR calling me, like you got to be good. Yeah. You're one of the, like, I mean, they're out there, right? I mean, like the Chris Beals of the world, some people who are behind some of the phone technology, but you are rare in that you'll get on the phone yourself. You know, I've even encouraged you to take this direction to coach revenue leaders or entrepreneurs or CROs on strategies where they themselves can take over the funnel. When I'm coaching teams, I like to get on the phone. It's like shocking. I'm like the RVP and I'm crushing phone calls all day. Very important though for me, because if you think about it, you know, CloudTest does do, you know, the full sales cycle, customer success and support, but most of our business is sales, right? And that's kind of how we grew. I didn't raise, I didn't raise a dollar of outside funding. I reached up to a quarter million, right? And, and, and how did I live and pay my people by building my pipeline and selling it? And that's our primary service. So as the CEO selling a sales as a service, right? I think it's culturally important for me to hit the phones and show my teammates that, hey, your job, which you might think is entry level, well, I guess what? That's how I started my career, right? They, they see me as the CEO of a tech company right now, but I was calling for years. I was going door to door for years. And they need to know that, you know, I'm willing to do the hard battle with them. And then also by doing it, I'm able to pioneer and learn what's working and, and train people on real time, right? So it's like a customer success play for me it actually helps my customers get better results because the more I call, the more I'm sharing with my team, the more the team's getting motivated. And guess what? The difference between a few meetings from someone being motivated in my team is the difference between their career getting advanced, our client's company getting the results they need. So it's mission critical for me probably to spend more time calling and less time with podcasts with you. So I, I, what I love about you other than your willingness to do it is your dissatisfaction with the tech. I had Mary Lou Tyler on the show and I was like, let's ask this question. What should be built? And she said a follow-up engine. She said, I don't like, like she likes it, but she was like, none of the tech is really going there. Like you're always pushing the envelope. You're always trying new tech. You're never going, okay, great. The stack's done. It's just never done. It's like always day one, right? So what is driving you to innovate? I feel like there's an entrepreneurial element of how you must approach it. I think at my core, the why for CloudTask moves me forward, right? I, I, I All that comes down to me being an entrepreneur at 26, really struggling to grow my businesses because I couldn't hire and, and train the right people and just getting kind of almost sucked dry for my staff financially, mentally, emotionally, Right. And knowing that if a company can focus on improving their product and services, I'll have some new cool toys to buy and, and, and things to work with, right? So just think about it. If you're Oculus, right? Like, what are, you, what are you trying to be? You're trying to be the best with VR in the world, right? 
having to have a customer success team, a sales team, a support team, is it like your, your mission? Is that where you want to be? No, it's to, it's to invest into your actual tech, right? So to me, all of those products are a byproduct of a modern business. You need these positions. But if people could fully, fully, literally outsource and get better results, they can actually make their products better because now they're spending less money on waste, less capital on figuring it out. They don't need to figure out the best support success tools. You want them figuring out the best VR technology. It's a distraction. So my whole why is letting CEOs and leaders focus on making their products and services better. That's who they are, right? Think about it. And that's why Uber, these big companies, you know, why do you think they have great tech? They're outsourcing all their support. They have 10,000 outsourced people. They're not, they're not going crazy hiring support people and buying Zendesk and my techs. No, they're letting the companies have been doing it for 20 years do it and they're working on their tech. What drives you to improve and excel? You know, the motivation is hard because there's a lot of repetitive aspects to these jobs. Everyone that's touching sales development, that's why there's such a seeking of automation. Cause it's like, ah, I'm, here's where like my email address is getting you know, bad email. Oh, here's where I call and I can't get through. Here's where like the sequencer, there's some pieces broken. So how do you stay motivated in such a repetitive environment to keep it new, to keep it fresh? How do you coach your teams to do that? I think there's some futuristic aspects to this that that, that everyone can learn well, from you as a CEO. I, I think for us, you know, we're, we're, we're becoming, you know, a technology company and, and just like an Uber, you're not going to be able to pay for our SaaS. No, it's going to be done for you. You're going to pay for a license. It's going to license going to equal to an output. That output's going to be 30 to 40% higher than someone you could hire to W2 with 30 to 40% less cost, right? And the motivation is knowing that our future teammates are not going to be SDRs or customer support reps are going to be SDR trainers and AI, uh, customer support AI trainers training the platform to automate the mindless function so that people can have conversations like we're doing now, whether it's a podcast or a meeting or a networking event. I think that's what keeps the team motivated. They're very motivated as is, but knowing that we're transforming into a technology company and that their careers as experts in AI and automation, I think is the fueling factor for us. I noticed that you have a really strong way of doing content marketing. So I've seen you do drift video. I've seen you do videos on LinkedIn podcasts. That's also something where I see a lot of C-level executives who just either aren't on LinkedIn or they have their team doing it. What's the value of personal brand as the, as the leader of a tech company? And then what tips do you have based on your adventures on that, on regular folks, regular sellers? Like, I mean, there's no regular, but people that want to become excellent at content marketing. I mean, sellers have been told for years you should curate on social media, not write. Because, oh, what sellers can write? I disagree. I think everybody's got a voice. So how did you make the journey from curation to creation of content to now innovative deliveries of that? Because I, I just noticed it in your approach and I think everyone would love to learn from you. Well, I would say that I didn't have a choice, right? We weren't funded by a VC or, or a huge bankroll. And, and, and it was, I had to do everything that I'm seeing to, to grow and survive and to innovate. And uh, by the way, from video tech, I, I'm a fan of Dub. I, I use their tech. I think, I think it's built by a CEO who really cares about video. And, and I just started using that. I do use Drift Video and, and, and Vidyard sometimes, but pushing the envelope of tech, they, they have a great platform. But I think that for me, it's necessary to be, you know, a brand, right? But at the same time, the right brand that represents your company. And I think that a lot of leaders shy away from that because they're shy um, and because they're making money, right? So 
they're getting a check for 300 grand and they got their stock options. They don't really have a driver to go to get out of their comfort zone. Like I'm willing to like do whatever it takes for my team, right? Like I will literally be the first person to get rejected, you know, and you just don't see that a lot. In fact, I had a company, it's kind of ironic and I hope he's listening to see of a tech company, almost like an outreach. And we were doing their customer support and their CEO literally would spend more time on a calculator trying to save money on customer support and like negotiate with us. And I would talk, I would literally be like, you know, you're crazy. You do zero posts on LinkedIn. You get, you get, you get 10 X on a million dollars of sales. So a million dollars of sales is 10 million. And you're here trying to save a few thousand dollars on support that we're doing well. I'm like, make a video. And the guy is so shy and he just can't do it. Like he can't post on LinkedIn and his company has no presence on LinkedIn. And they have a great product. It's actually better than a lot of their competitors. And they're out of the Y Combinator. And they're just like, you know, some of these guys are, they're super smart out of XYZ college. And like, they, they just didn't ever, they never worked. A lot of these guys building sales tech, they don't do sales. You know, they've never done sales, right? So like they're, they're hiding behind, like they're just building a tech platform and they're like, they never even used it, right? Like I know like the founder, the, the leader of um, one of the, call recording technologies like a gong not not them but the the founder was not he was a cto he wasn't a sales guy i don't think he even sent videos i never saw any videos or anything you know being like any meetings being taken so i just think that a lot of the a lot of the leaders are not being pushed by vcs that give them money they're maybe making money and they're already satisfied but it's great because it's a great opportunity for those who are not shy and those who are ready to adopt early because like i said before everybody did everything right It'd be a very hard world for us to, to survive. So I'm actually happy that there's a lack of adoption and things that work. And then by the time they do it, it'll be five to 10 years from now and nobody will be doing it. It'll be something else. So it's really interesting. You know, the whole leaders and laggards curve. I used to te- I used to do surgical robotic spine surgery and you would literally get a perfect, perfect, perfect bullseye where to drill on the human spine with this robot. And you had to like work hard to convince these surgeons to do it. Why? Because they were making 50K a month. They didn't want to change. They just didn't want to change. You just highlighted the status quo, right? Why stick your neck out there and innovate if you know things are comfortable? But it actually comes down to selling. I really love the Scott Lease model, the addiction model, where you have to first acknowledge problems. So you're talking about business models where it's kind of like near shore or team extension. And you have some folks that you've walked through the transformation of applying this business model, how do you change people's hearts and minds? Hmm. How do I change their hearts and minds when it comes to like working with third party or, or uh, doing video? Trying to do video, trying to employ different business models, like kind of all the stuff you're doing. Well, I think we do it by being persistent and showing growth, right? I think at the same time, people know we're not funded and they see us growing, 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 growing. So I've had people for years, I've been like, hey, hire us. And they don't. And they just see us triple size. It's, it's like, you, like there's gotta be something there. So I think it's like just being very present and, and giving away free information and free help. It's just still a battle because I think that the concept of outsourcing is still cliche because of how it's been executed. But in reality, a lot of people don't, they just don't even know the industry. They don't realize that there's 5,000 call centers in America, right? They just don't know how big the industry is because it's only for like the biggest, right? You have this middle market that's like anywhere from five to 300 million in revenue. That's like, I'll never outsource. And then you have like 500 million above and they're like, I'm outsourcing to 70 different people. They're competing against each other. I don't care. It's all, it's all about the big number, right? So like 
the billion dollar companies are doing it. The billion ones are like, ah, oh, you can't do it. And I think that just putting up good case studies, getting good reviews, partnering with people in our industry that do a really good job and friends with a lot of people you think are our competitors, but they're not. We, we give them business. They give us business. We white label them. They white label us. You know, we help each other can help each other stand out because a lot of times people think we're lead gen, right? And it's like, what the hell is lead gen's like, just like blanket term, right? And like, I'm like, lead gen? Like I'm giving you a phone number and a name or am I giving you a qualified meaning? Like, what are you even talking about when it comes to lead gen, right? So there's just so many companies, like the most common email you'll get is like, I have 400 outsourced sales development people. Like, excuse me, I have 300 outsourced developers, you know, please build your platform for me. And then also I can get you appointments. It's like the most blasted industry. So it's very hard to stand out with those names, but by building strong partnerships and partner networks, I think we're able to get around that. And I can't tell you how many times people are like, Amir, we've tried this 70 million times and never worked. And I'm like, look, you hired hundreds of reps and they didn't work. The rep that you hire and the company you hire all diff- are all different and timing's different. And this is no different, right? But it just, people are very comfortable with like accounting, outsourcing, IT outsourcing. They're becoming more comfortable with sales outsourcing as well. And, you know, I think an idea, it's not replacing jobs, right? Instead of hiring SDRs that you're going to churn, that you're going to lose, that want to become AEs, hire more AEs, right? Like we'll be the top of the funnel and then hire smarter, better accounting executives. So it's like that concept is like, it's not, it shouldn't be black or white. Like I literally, and I, I, I couldn't make this up. I have competitors working on my sales team. Why? Because I believe in my service. Therefore, I believe in their service. And I have them working on campaigns because my goal is not to be the best at anything. My goal is to get to 10, 20 million in revenue, build my platform, help my clients. It's not like me pounding my chest being like, I'm a CRO. I've done this before. This is how you do it. I'm like, hey, man, this is my end result. This is my goal line. It's a team effort and it's going to take everything to get there. My AEs do not know the difference between a meeting booked with an internal team, a partner, competitor. It is all going to be a meeting and they're focusing on the people they're talking to and their problems, not the lead source or the appointment source. So, you know, I think just good quality is pushing the industry forward. And, and that's why I like helping the people that I, that I know are doing a good job because, you know, they're, they're creating, I've had, I've had one competitor, had a, had a client, potential client recently mentioned a competitor on the phone. He was like, Hey, well, what do you think about so-and-so? I'm talking to him too. And I go, I go, I think you should hire him and hire me. If we both have an ROI, you just get us both. You know? That's a great. I'm like, it's not either or. Great spot. I would, I could spend it. You can hire 50 salespeople. You can hire, you know, 40 salespeople and two sales of the service companies. Like it doesn't matter. I love your mentality and the collaboration. It's all so novel. I'd love to have you back on the show again. We've gone a few minutes over here, but it's been great. So where can people find you and your company? And then we'll, we'll end up. They can find CloudTask and CloudTask.com. They can find me on LinkedIn and me writer. And I have the same name on Facebook or Instagram. And I'm pretty omnichannel these days and uh, super easy to reach, but do not send me voice notes or videos or, or not give me some generic template with a calendar. I won't look at <laughs> well, thanks again, Amir. Thanks for being on Beyond Sales Development and we'll talk soon. Bye.